on this show. She is a great artist, both lovely and also scary at the same time. Chelsea? Ah, scary and lovely. I love it. (laughs) Chelsea, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, I am Chelsea Comer, aka CF Comer, just because I think that sounds cooler. Um, I graduated from Columbus College of Art and Design in 2014, and I just do art. Um, I am attempting to get comics made at some point. Now, what kind of art do you make, or what's your style of art? Oh, man. Uh, it's hard. I feel like it's always hard to describe your own style. Um, I guess it's definitely uh, manga-influenced, who in my generation has not been influenced by manga in some capacity. I must say that is quite true. I've seen a lot of artwork recently, and there is some strong Japanese influence. Yeah, I mean, that's um, that's kind of what happens with uh, America and Japan, I think. Like, first we influence them with Disney films, and then they influence us, and then we influence them, and then they influence us. It, I remember there was, like, a, a while ago, I saw a thing that showed... um how Japanese took from our artwork and then we took a little bit from theirs and then they took from ours again and then just the back and forth to the point yeah. that it's just like uh we're basically uh art buddies I guess yeah yeah we're uh study buddies with Japan when it comes to art culturally I think um when did you let's start from the beginning then when did you first start drawing or first start making art uh just um you know what i mean sorry my dogs are about to go crazy but um (laughs) i've i've always made artwork but i think the first time where i actually felt like i was making art was um in fifth grade like i don't know what changed about it but it was like you can look at the self-portraits that we were first to make in elementary school Mm -hmm. and you can tell when like like Fourth grade, it just looks like a kid's drawing, and then fifth grade, it's like, oh, you're actually trying to absorb, like, draw what you see. Uh, what sort of, uh, what sort mm-hmm. of uh, things did you like to draw? Uh, back in elementary school, mm-hmm. uh, dragons and naked ballerinas. That's exactly what every fifth grader draws when they're <laughs> deciding. You know what? I want to be a professional artist. Oh, no, I still wanted to be a professional uh, paleontologist at that point. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That even makes more sense. Uh, Yeah. So, uh, what type of uh, tools do you use? And by that, are you a digital artist or a... I'm primarily digital at this point, although I do very much love um, just pens and paper. That's how I plan everything out, is just um, ink and paper. Um, but I do use Art Rage Studios for most things. Is that, I am, however, um, 
Oh, so, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I wanted. Uh, what is Art Rage Studios? Um, it is a painting program, so it was not meant for comics, but that's how I'm using it. Um, it's forty dollars, I believe, uh, for their latest edition, so it's pretty cheap. But um, I really like painting with it instead of Photoshop. Okay. But it's a lot difficult. More difficult. It's. It's more difficult to uh, turn something into, like, a motion illustration or, like, an illustrious, illustrious gif with Art Rage. Because you have to draw each panel as opposed to, like, with Photoshop where you can just move the layer. So. Um, what type of comics are you making right now? Like, what are your com If you don't mind me asking, like, what are your comics about? My subject is almost always uh, horror-related. Um because I do, I do enjoy horror quite, quite a bit. Um, but uh, there's this one comic that kind of pushed its way to the front of all the others recently um, that I'm going to, uh, going to make. Um, it's my uh, Sinew Experience comic, which I have like eight pages of it up right now. But it actually, it started off as just like weird abstract comics like fine art abstract comic and now I've actually plotted out a storyline for it and I'm like I never wanted a storyline for you I just wanted you to be like my decompression thing but it's gonna be like space horror oh cool yeah that's gonna be fun yes um now you said you went to art school yes I did um what was that like, or uh, what? Because I know some artists have said they never went to school or had any former education. Um, I mean, some artists don't need it. I think um, some artists do. I I felt like I needed it, which is why I went. Um, it definitely helps um, my ability to research what it is I needed. Because like beforehand, I was not good at research at all. Um, it exposed me to other processes uh, when it came to planning out pieces, which I desperately needed, mm -hmm. um, and it introduced me to um, other sources that I would have never thought about, and also, like, networking. Uh, I networked, I, I got networks with people there that I would have never gotten otherwise. Nice. Um, but yeah, it really, um, it was very stressful. <laughs> uh, now, um, Ever, uh, what do you do with these network con uh, like connections? I mean, um, are, are they used for more uh, partnerships or? Uh... Well, I mean, um, I one of my friends from CCAD actually invited me to share a table with her at a uh, anime convention recently, which oh. I would have never done that on my own. Um. That same connection, uh, her name's Caitlin Griffith, she's, her art company name is Mozart, um, because her middle name is Moats, oh, but, uh, cool. her and I actually, uh, meet up on a similar, on a regular basis, rather, we meet up on a regular basis to compare, like, comic processes, and progress, and storylines, and we try to, like, spot out, uh, plot holes, for each other. Oh, really? Yeah, and then I have some friends on um, that I'm only keeping contact with on Facebook, but they always post like when their companies are hiring other artists, 
So it helps keep an eye out for like graphic design jobs. Now I know most there's or not most uh, some artists like to work on their own um, versus actually working with other artists or showing their artwork and getting feedback. Um, and uh, from uh, your friendship with Motes has allowed you to ha get feedback and such. Uh, what would you say are the pros and cons of just working by yourself versus working with another person or even just uh, putting your work out there just to say, what do you guys think? Um, I made a friend at CCAD whose name is Holly. Um, I forget what her last name is, but she's one of those people that could work on her own very easily because she has a very critical eye for her own artwork. And I think if you're going to be working on your own, you need to have that kind of critical eye. Um, if you're going to be like approaching others and asking them to critique your stuff, like it's always good to get another viewpoint on what it is you're making. Uh, somebody else might be able to point out why your pelvis is wrong when, you know, you drew a pelvis on a person and you can't figure out why it's wrong. Um, but you do also have to keep in mind, like, their experiences uh, when you ask them to critique something that is more abstract or more symbolic. Um, because their personal symbology might be different from yours. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that you should keep in mind, but I always think that it's a good idea to get somebody to critique your stuff. Like if, if I don't have anybody available, I'll ask, um, Brandon Patrick to critique my stuff. Now, uh, I've seen your artwork and I love it. I, I love the, there's definitely also a creepiness factor to it. Um, what got you into wanting to draw horror? Um, well, when I was, I think, in fifth or sixth grade, this movie came out called The Relic, and my dad had me watch it with him. It's like this cheesy B-horror movie, but the opening scene is this um, security guard sneaking off on break to smoke in the bathroom, and he just gets ripped to shreds, and that made me, like, horrified of bathrooms for, for years. Jeez. And um, that, that phobia of bathrooms is what led me to an interest in horror. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the bathrooms really scare me. How can I explore this more? <laughs> right, exactly. So, um, when it comes to horror, or drawing horror, what are what interests you about drawing it? By that I mean, do you like the gore part of it, or the creep factor? Uh... Um, I, I really like the creep factor. I really like, um... The gore part, like, I, I love exploring body horror. Um, like, I have one piece that I just looked at, um, oh, what's it called? Uh, people who were in car accidents who survived and, like, their limbs grew back really weird. Like, that's great. Like, I love looking at that and drawing things from that. That's actually was an inspiration for, uh, Dead Space Monsters in the first game. Um, I really like how, um, Francis Bacon how his artwork explored horror, and I really liked how Harmonious Frosh explores horror as well. Um, what actually, that's another question. Uh, what artists is, artists is, wow, Kayla. What? <laughs> that's okay, neither of us can speak today. <laughs> uh, we're both trying to drink our coffee as we're, <laughs> as we're mm. having this interview. Yes, precisely. Like, oh, yeah, we still need to wake up. Um... <laughs> 
what artists do you take influence from? Because you said mentioned manga, but uh, obviously you've uh, listed some other artists outside of manga, too. Yes, yes, I have. Um, Harmonious Bosch is one of my favorite painters. Um, he drew some really creepy stuff, and some of his stuff was inspiration for Silent Hill, actually. Uh, he did uh, Garden of Earthly Delights, which I would be delighted to see in real person one day. Um, sorry, I'm like looking behind me at my uh, my reference shelf. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I have Bosch. I have Francis Bacon. I have uh, Juno. Oh man, I can't read his name from this distance. Uh, Juni, Jun, Junji Ito is a rather famous manga horror writer. Uh, he did Uzumaki. His stuff is really fantastic. Um, then other references or other things or others that I find inspiring are, um, or I guess series, uh, is Battle Angel Aelita. I love how that series is drawn. Um... Let's see here. And then I have an art history book that I'll just flip through occasionally. And anything in there is fair game. Like, especially the Turkish calligraphy. I, I love it. Um, let's see here. Everything else, I think. Um, I, I have um, Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities books, which that's also really inspiring. And then I have, I think it's called The Resurrectionist. That's also really inspiring. It's um, uh, the artist for that just laid out how they thought bones and ligaments and muscle groups on fantasy creatures work. So that's really cool. Now, uh, you've done both. Um, I'm trying to work, uh, say this correctly. Uh, still art versus uh, and you're currently working on a comic. Uh, what would you consider is the difference between just drawing uh, one artwork versus multiple frames to create a comic? I mean, it really just depends. Like, some comic book pages are really boring to draw because you're just laying out pages for dialogue to happen. Some artwork can be really dull to draw because... There's not a lot of inspiration behind it. Um, but others, like, they can both be equally challenging, I think. Um, when it, uh, what about digital work versus, uh, I don't want to say real life work because that sounds awful, but. Traditional, traditional. Uh, digital versus traditional would be the term I would, I would use. Um, I think with traditional, I do more sketching, um, which part of me doesn't really consider sketching artwork because it's just exploring ideas, but really it's art in its own form. Um, I mean, both require layouts, both require thinking ahead. The nice thing about digital art, though, is you can like you can change something about the background or you can change something about the foreground and put it on a separate layer and see if you still like it or not. And you can't really do that with traditional artwork. Now, um, what are ways that you've been able to sell your artwork or commission your artwork? Um, well, the 
Etsy. I have an Etsy shop open, uh, just CF Comer, um, which I haven't really made any sales through that, but it's kind of nice to have that open and have that available. Uh, I also need to get more things on it. Um, I sold artwork. I did commissions and sold artwork at um, Samurai Con as a convention. Um, aside from that, it's really just word of mouth for people. Like my friends will tell their friends, oh, hey, I, I know an artist person that does this really cool artwork. Here's her business card. Go hire her for something. And that's how I've gotten most of my most of my um, commissions. Nice. And then uh, what about for the comic? How does one uh, eventually sell a comic or are you planning to publish it on the web? I'm planning on releasing it on the web and then just selling physical copies of it. Mm hmm. Uh, maybe sell prints and stickers because some of the monsters that are for that, I think, are very, very sticker friendly. Well, not child friendly, but they'd be good as stickers. Um, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really made much money off of comics, so that's kind of a new territory for me. <laughs> and I think part of that is just I, I have so many different comics I want to work on and make. Um, that I get halfway through one, and then I jump to the other, and then I jump back, and I mean, I, it's I've, difficult to plan that kind of stuff. Um, I've, like, looked at some of the artwork for some of your comics, and, it, I mean, it's gorgeous, and I look forward to when you actually are able to publish one. I look forward to that as well. <laughs> I'll probably have a party when I'm actually able to publish one. <laughs> Woo! She did it! Uh, I did it! Let's all take a shot! <laughs> okay, um... Uh, I, th I think I've asked all the questions I need, so I guess we could wrap it up. Um, do you have uh, any last-minute advice to individuals who would like to become artists, or...? Uh, definitely look at references. Try different drawing styles. Um, look at artwork that is not within the genre you're interested in. So, like, one of my favorite artists is actually uh, Losh, or Loish. I'm, I'm not sure how to pronounce her name, but she's fantastic, but she doesn't really do, hor like, horror stuff. She's, like, flowy, beautiful girls, and I absolutely love her stuff. Um, I think, I feel like almost everyone has heard of her at this point, actually. Um, I haven't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think it's just Losh.net, L-O-I-S-H. Her stuff is fantastic. I accidentally uh, stumbled on her um, her process book because she did a Kickstarter for it, and I wasn't able to get in on that. And I found it at Barnes & Noble, luckily. Um, and then also, like, look at different forms or different media for your references as well. So, like, even though I listed off some of my artistic references, like, some of my story references, like, or inspiration, I guess, um, are different things. Like, um, House of Leaves is really inspirational to me. I love that. I love how non-traditionally non it's laid out as a story, and I find that fairly inspiring. Um, and then, like, movies. Like, there are a ton of movies and series that I find inspiring, um, that change how I lay out my panels. Uh, such as? Like, I have a book called uh, Shot by Shot that um, is about making animation that's 
really good for panel layout, actually. Oh, that's cool. Uh, who is it by? Mm, let me grab it. It's called Film Directing Shot by Shot by Stephen D. Katz. I think I think listeners might find that uh, helpful for wanting to learn how to panel because that can. Yeah, be- I mean it's it's useful for both comic layouts and um, animation and film. Um, let's see here, and then any like um, at CCAD, we had to buy uh, two of James Gurney's books, and those are really really useful for reference. Um, Let's see here. They are called Color and Light, A Guide for the Realist Painter and Imaginative Realism, How to Paint What Doesn't Exist. Anything by James Gurney is highly recommended. Um, especially, like, um, it's just fantastic. He's great at instruction. He lays things out in a way that's really understandable. That's actually, that's a lot of good references. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm trying to, like, look at all my stuff and see what else I can pull off. Because um, that's, that's always, like, a tricky thing. People, there's so many books on art, and uh, right. so that sometimes I think people just fall into the Dummies Guide for at times. Um, one that's really good for uh, comics is Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. Oh, okay. Um, he actually lays out all of his comic-related stuff in a comic form, which is really great. Oh, that's clever. Um, yeah, yeah, it's really great. And then a book about archetypes um, is called The Hero and the Outlaw. It's out of my reach, so I can't quite see who wrote it. But it's uh, really great for understanding story archetypes in our culture. And I highly recommend that if anybody is writing any kind of story. Um, and then what else? And then I also have some philosophy books that I find really inspiring. Yeah, well, uh, uh, actually, I didn't think to ask this, but um, now as you're mentioning references, what kind of stories uh, are you trying to tell with your comics? Um, or what, what kind of, of stories I'm interested in telling generally involve someone failing at what they do. Like, mm, um, the story of, uh, oh, what is it? Orpheus? Yeah. I, I love that story, honestly, because he fails so hard at bringing his girlfriend back to life. That is a like, very he, he is right there. Like, she's almost back to life, and then she, he turns around and just screws it all. Uh, screws for, the pooch. For, for those who don't know the story, um, uh, uh, Orpheus is... Uh, I think it's his wife, but um, it, it might be just a lover, um, dies. So he travels to Hades uh, to go. Yeah, he her. makes a deal with the god of the dead. And Hades is just like, yeah, if you can get her out of here without turning around before she's out. She's all yours, buddy. And then uh, he hears a sound, turns, and then she's gone from her his reach. Yep. And right as she's about to exit the cave, too. It, it it's is, great. I love Greek tragedies. Um, I find them highly inspiring, especially their endings. <laughs> <laughs> I also um, really like fairy tales. Uh, I actually have quite a few texts on fairy tales. Um, I really like how they convey a story. Uh, I don't really care much for um, like 
the ones that have been adapted to tell morals, like the Brothers Grimm. But, um, like, I just find them fascinating, especially the way Guillermo del Toro uses their symbolism a lot in his films. And I, I like to use that symbolism as well. That's awesome. Again, I, I actually, because I'm big into, like, Greek mythology and uh, fairy tales as well, so now I look forward to your comics even more. Um, well, uh, have you ever heard, like, um, I have quite a few, uh, fairy tale reference books. Um, one of them is called Folk and Fairy Tales, fourth edition by, oh, I, it's called, by, um, Hamlet and Karasek, Karasek, I think. I highly recommend that for anyone who's interested in, like, understanding fairy tales. Okay. As well as um, the uses of enchantment, uh, the meaning and importance of fairy tales by Betelhelm, I think that's the name. I gotta read both of those, because that actually would interest me quite a bit, even as someone who doesn't draw. <laughs> I mean, if you write stories, these are all, like, also great references for that, like, because they let you know the traditions behind fairy tales. And just like Hero and the Outlaw lets you know the um, traditions behind the archetypes we use as a culture. Which, I mean, it, it is quite fascinating, especially uh, as someone, as uh, we get into a time and an era where we're trying to turn the archetype on its head in order to right. um, basically create your own story. you got to understand guideline or the baseline from where it came from and then once you understand that you could go from there and say okay how can I make this story feel plausible and likable right or how can I make this like um, how can I make this story allow my viewers to feel uncomfortable or bad about themselves <laughs> <laughs> depending on what kind of story you're making that's true <laughs> Um, um, and then philosophy wise, I have, um, I think it's called in the horror of our planet, but I don't know where I put it. Where are you? It's like the horror behind philosophy. Mm -hmm. Oh, in the dust of our planet, in the dust of this planet, rather, uh, the horror of philosophy volume one. I still need to get the other volumes, but, um, it's basically, uh, how, um, philosophy can be terrifying. Which I find really inspirational, and anybody else who likes horror, I would recommend that for them. Um, and then I also have The Great Image Has No Form, or On the Non-Being, Non-Object Through Painting. Um, that one's a really good one. And Vital Nourishment as well. You're basically Those are three of my favorite philosophy books, huh? You're basically increasing my book list here. I already got a long list of books to read. <laughs> As someone who loves reading, that is always my goal with everyone. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, let's see here. And the Meditations on Violence is really good if you're going to have violence in your story. Oh, that or... is, that's always a tricky thing to... Yeah, no, I mean, like, that book deals with how to deal with violence in real life, but I find it translates very well to um, how characters should respond to violence. Mm-hmm. Um, and it definitely, uh, if I remember correctly, it, like, 
it's like, okay, here's how you would normally react in this situation. Here's how you should react if you want to survive kind of thing. Yeah. It, it, I, the thing is that is always the trickiest thing to do. Like, uh, reacting to any horror situation or reacting to any violent situation. Right, and you can always be like, oh, I would do this, but it's like, yeah, but would you really? Exactly. And this book's really great for that. Oh, absolutely. That's a, it... It'll also like teach you how you should react in situations in real life, which is pretty great. And that actually does allow for um, more realism, which is always nice to hear. Because, I mean, it's true. Anybody can make a violent, action-packed film. But if you're actually going to make something, well, that's, okay, to say that's not true, that's that's horrible, very generalization for me to say. It's not hard to to think of explosion. It's hard to craft violence well. Exactly. And make it um, meaningful. Yeah, like, you have Michael Bay with all of his explosions and everything, but, um, oh, man, I forget the name of this director, but he made, like, The Nice Guys with Ryan Gosling, and... Every film he makes with violence, he always makes it very, like, like, his characters are always, like, on top, but it always feels really disgusting to watch, because it's really realistic the way he uses violence. I forget what his name is, though. Yeah, I, um, I, uh, one of my, one of the things that I love is, uh, uh, Hong Kong action films, so mm. it's amazing, like, the art of because uh, I also took a class on it, the art of, like, um, making an action film and what people can do to interpret it in many ways. Like, you can make action funny, or could you could, like, uh, in the Jackie Chan films, or you can make it meaningful or uh, deep, like uh, some of the John Woo films. Right. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> that... Um, that's a, you've actually given me a lot to consider, and you've increased increased my book list. Thank you very much. <laughs> Anytime. Um, um, where can people find you? Um, generally, I am just uh, c.f.comer on pretty much anything. I think I'm usually second or third on Google. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Tumblr. I'm usually pretty active on Twitter um, compared to the other platforms, just because Twitter gets along really well with my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also on DeviantArt. I post um, all of my finished pieces to DeviantArt, uh, even the not safe for work ones. Um, which I, huh? Should I? So should I? Uh, uh, when in putting uh, which link to find you at? Should I do the DeviantArt? I would suggest the DeviantArt one, just because all of my stuff is right there. Um, and yes, you can find me on other platforms, but um, I'm not as active like on Tumblr. Um, and then also on most platforms, I keep my not safe for work and my safe for work stuff very separate. I'll be sure to post both. <laughs> uh, I would like on DeviantArt, I just put it all since they have a uh, 18 plus category. Oh, perfect. I'll just do that. Yeah. then. That's I mean, like DeviantArt is kind of as a website kind of terrible but like it's great for posting artwork <laughs> i mean that's what it's designed for i guess that is true that was its main goal yeah time. it's just not very good at uh, promoting some artwork anyway um anything else any other questions I, or? I think we're good thank you so much actually um i got even i got a lot of a, a lot of <laughs> 
a lot out of this um, as, as someone who uh, is interested in the storytelling and such. So I really I am going to recommend one more thing to, to your viewers. Um, if you are interested in symbolism, I suggest watching The Holy Mountain. It is a Spanish film from the 70s, but you don't need to know Spanish if you have a basic understanding of symbology. Oh, yeah. I've seen this movie, too. It's really good. You could actually uh, watch the subtitles, but it's so strange. I almost don't think you really need it, because... Yeah, no, it's strange and bizarre, and I love it. Oh, it's a great movie. It is. Yeah, I... Please, go see it, guys. (laughs) I mean... If you want to know about symbology and you want to watch a very surreal film, film, please do. <laughs> yes. But yeah, so I guess that uh, that rounds it up. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.